Hi, my name is Taj Singh, Chief Operating Officer of Iapetus Holdings. I'm an entrepreneur, and uh, you know we're diving into this the the world of podcasts. Uh, welcome to the first episode of Trees and Lines, um, where Phil Charlton and I sit down and dive into. Uh, discussions surrounding utility infrastructure and this burgeoning industry we call vegetation management. It's a platform that we're going to springboard from where we talk to industry leaders, utility executives, and we talk about a lot of the themes that are facing the industry. You know, both Phil and I were pretty nervous doing this, given this was our first one. But, you know, once we got on a bit of a roll, we couldn't stop talking. So hopefully you guys enjoy um, and there'll be more to come. By the way, Phil, just so you know, I wore something very American today. You know, as a Canadian, um, I wore this very beautiful representation. I thought about it. And I was like, should I wear wear something from West Virginia? And I said, from University of West Virginia, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to support Phil in that way. So, so Phil, we're here to talk about stuff. Um, we're going to dive in, go a lot of different directions, and we're going to see where these conversations go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Tej. Like you entered kind of utility, vegetation management, the tree business, what's called the tree business, like, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. Sorry to date you, but call yeah, it four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Why, why in the world did you do that? Probably a little over 40 years ago. 1978, I dated too. So, yeah, so it's uh, interesting. You know, you go into forestry school because you don't know what else to do and you like to hunt and fish. I th- think that was my uh, way I got to forestry school. And one day I was in graduate school at West Virginia, and uh, I got a chance to work with uh, some true legends of the industry. Uh, I was there with Ken Carvel, and I was working with him, Harry Wyant, and a couple of guys that everybody in the industry have heard of, Dr. Bramble and Burns. And they were doing research on power lines in New York, and I got to go along. I got to tote their bags, really. Uh, But I also got to uh, do the computer work, the data analytics on those projects, which were really sort of the earliest IBM, or at least among the earliest IBM projects, even before it was IBM. So uh, from there, you know, I was in the uh, utility industry, couldn't get work elsewhere. Uh, Dennis Holowitzki, I, I just give you a little background because I see it as a start of this thing. Yeah, you, you really did. Um, you know, when we sat down, and you were, you know, contemplating retirement. It was really fascinating to like learn about your background and you've effectively seen all the life cycles and all the capital that's flown into the space and, and utilities commitment to, you know, supporting their infrastructure. I had asked you, I was like, you know, Phil, you know what we should do? You should write some white papers and you should do all this stuff. And I thought about it. I'm like, I mean, I wouldn't read it. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure a lot of people are going to take the time to sit there and, and go through documents and, you know, our world has changed, right? And the way we communicate with people. So, you know, you and I were like, oh, you know, maybe we should do a podcast. And then we're like, oh, we don't know anything about that. I was going to say, you said, let's do a podcast. And I said, what's that? (laughs) So, so here we are. Um, You know, you know, I guess setting up the stage for what we believe, you know, we're going to try and do this over, uh, you know, multiple conversations. and, And our hope is to, to engage the industry uh, you know, leaders in the industry, different stakeholders and bring them into the conversation and talk about what we think is the direction of where we think utilities are going 
where the investments are going, how technology is going to factor in, uh, you know, thinking about environmental initiatives as it relates specifically to utility vegetation management. You know, I'm pretty excited. I, again, we have no clear idea of what this is going to look like, but I think we do want to tackle things in a more direct way. We realize that like when you talk to when you talk to our people and how they got into this industry, it's it's there's such a randomness to it. Oh yeah. Nobody goes to school to get into this industry. Well, that's why like A, it's insane to me that you went into this industry that early, got a PhD, you know, really kind of formalized your education, but you know, it really is something now that we need to to think about. This is this is real work. This is really interesting stuff. Uh, impactful stuff uh, that's very relevant today and it's becoming more relevant, you know, as we move forward. This is something that we should formalize in terms of like how you get into the sector and, you know, how companies are are grooming these young minds and, and, and sort of drawing people into this industry. Cause it's just, to me, it's fascinating. It's almost like engineering, right? There's so many disciplines. Well, it's so. sort of interesting, Tish, cause you know, my career has been inside the industry and you said five years ago you stepped in, and I, I think I uh, have found that the most fascinating because everything we talk about, you sort of look at from a different angle. Uh, yeah, it, different context uh, from your background. I don't think you told us anything about your background. So, yeah, just share that with us because you do see things differently, and I think that's really a healthy thing. Yeah, like I start, look, I have an engineering background. I have an electrical engineering background and I was putzing around as an intern, you know, at utilities. Um, you know, I worked in some coal plants and some nuclear plants and A, I realized I didn't want to be in a power plant, uh, for the rest of my career, but I was interested in the commerce related to energy. And so my career took a very nonlinear sort of path, but I ended up essentially in, in energy finance trading roles. Uh, where I was evaluating, you know, the commercial side of, of what these things were going to do and their outputs. And I was, as an entrepreneur, you know, I, my, my very close friend, my business partner today, our CEO, um, who founded the company, who also touched energy from the, you know, the legal side and then went on to the New York Mercantile Exchange. And he started this company, I guess, 15 years ago. We were in the space, right? Our clients, we're all the same clients, right? Whether it was on the energy services side, financially related and, and, you know, just the way we do stuff, Phil, is like, I kind of describe us as professional problem solvers. Um, you know, you put us in any sector and we start to dissect the, the relevant stakeholders and how things should go and, you know, what doesn't seem right and what could be better. And we usually do that in a very organic fashion because it allows us to take our time to actually understand, you know, what the problems might be and who the people are and build that level of connection so that we yeah. can, we can really dive in. And a lot of the often that doesn't happen overnight. Right? That takes years. And, you know, once we started dipping a toe, a toe turned into a foot, a foot turned into, you know, we were just diving headfirst into, into the ocean of like utility world. And as we spent time uh, and we're doing little projects, um, we figured out that, Hey, like we've got some very talented people and we started pivoting to as the as the wildfires started becoming more prevalent in California, that organic positioning and and just being kind of ready to sort of support uh, the cl the client, the utility. Once you sort of like figure that out in the right opportunity, the market presents itself. That's when the the iapetus sort of 
brainchild or methodology kicks in because then we're like, okay, now we have to solve a complex problem. We have some tools to do that. We have some people to do that. And then the business architecture kind of kicks off. Um, so when I sit down with people like you, um, and you and your peers, you're right. I do see it from a very different perspective. And and what we try to tell our people, and you've heard me say this multiple times, is that you know we think of risk at a utility level, not at a tree level. And but it's about that happy marriage of, of both. You know, what do you think, Phil? Is in the next five years, what do you think is going to be the most important area of focus for this for this sector for this industry? You know the. It- Industry's just been changing at such a rapid rate that I'm not sure there's just going to be a few. You know, everything that we see emerging, you know, technology. You know, when I started, I bought the first computer, one of the very first computers in the uh, industry. And here we are today. We have so much data. And data is going to be what drives us. And how we collect it is, uh, I think, going to be uh, discussed for the next many years. Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting just to see technology. Um You've got the environment. You talked about the perspective of stakeholders and, you know, a fair amount of our system is investor owned. Investors have always played a big part of that. But boy, they're, it's no longer just about returns. And I think that's driving behaviors. And uh, those of us in veg management are going to have to you know, address that or accommodate it. Regulation, that'll always be something that's emerging and it has to be dealt with. So, You know, I was talking to a, a client the other day. And they talked about how the workforce is could, 50% of it could be retiring over the next five to seven years. And I thought about that. I'm like, oh my God, he's right. And what, what are we going to do? It's not like this industry has a huge pipeline of, of developed leaders in the space. Like, how do you think this is going to play out in terms of just the people side of it? Well, the, you know, the uh, workforce, the frontline worker, they've just such a rapid growth. And you have to have the management people behind it to support it. And it, it just has outgrown or grown faster than we've been able to keep up with. Uh, they've done a great job with the resources they have. But for the long run, it is probably the biggest challenge out there is where are we getting the people and how are we getting them trained uh, quick enough to manage it as well as to do the work. It It is going to be exciting. Do you think then, like, do you actually think this will become like a university major, like, you know, in the next five years that, you know, major schools across the country will, will have like a, a, you know, a vegetation management sort of focused degree uh, or, you know, arboriculture degree. Like I know, I know colleges and, and some universities have that. And maybe I don't actually, I, maybe I'm not aware of, of the depth of that. I don't believe that it's, it's formalized in, in most institutions. Very, very little, uh, has been done in that. And it's just amazing. You know, when I started handful of people involved and today there's thousands of people and yet we don't have the universities uh, turning them out. They always turn, uh, uh, you know, a lot of them will go through forestry, but instead of turning it into utility veg management, they turn it into urban forestry. We have the jobs, the demand, the budgets, and yet they're training people for urban forestry. Uh, Hopefully that changes. You know, I'm really excited about the uh, program that was put together and is being offered by the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point. I think that is a great way to help the uh, people that are coming out of uh, whatever natural resource background, don't know the industry, 
it really is a way to quickly start to bring them up to speed. So I'm anxious to see that thing continue to evolve. I think it'll be one of the answers at least. Do you think, how much of this story do you think becomes a global discussion, right? Obviously, we see what's happening in Australia and in different parts of Europe as well. And um, it's not just about the fires. It's about the infrastructure, right? The decaying infrastructure, a reliance on this big, you know, clunky 500 KV type stuff. How much do you think this is what we're seeing here in the U.S. is going gonna, is gonna to really explode over there in terms of these programs? Yeah. And- well, when you say U.S., you know, I think U.S., Canada, and uh, maybe to a lesser degree, but hopefully uh, ever-increasing Mexico, the North American market. I try not to say Canada because I don't want Craig to give me grief. <laughs> um, so Australia does have a lot of similarities. I think a lot of opportunities to share. Um, it is a unique market. So, the you know, it really is taking ideas and figuring out how do they fit in. One of the mistakes I made with ECI when I led that operation is you think that the solutions here fit elsewhere. The concepts fit. But it's making them work that uh, is a little trickier than you think. So I, I really think we have things that we could do with them, uh, the folks there. Specifically what, though? Is it just like culturally? Is it is it is it like because it's not that us coming to Australia, you know, obviously both English speaking countries. Like, is it a utility sort of lens that's different is how they think about capital risk management? Like what 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 didn't necessarily translate specifically? I'll just give you one example. I went to Northern Ireland. We thought we could run a program. We had such success building programs, reducing um, tree-caused outages. Go to Northern Ireland with all of our great solutions and uh, put them on a budget, scheduled circuit maintenance, and their outages skyrocketed. So everything we did wasn't working. Why was it? Well, they didn't do any live line work. So every time they touched a tree... They took the tree, the line out of service. So a stupid little thing like that, that we should have caught right away. It wasn't until we saw the results that, uh, so we didn't apply the right concept or we applied the right concept. We didn't do it very well at first. When you identified that, then do you then have, then you go back and have a conversation with the utility and say, Hey, listen, by the way, like we do live line work in the U S and, and these are the reasons like we feel like it's, it's still safe because these are the metrics around it of all. Or it was like, no, no, this is Ireland. This is we we take everything out of service and then we do the work. Well, it was both a matter of helping them understand that it can be done safely, um, but it was also the reality is that that's not in their short term future. Uh, so maybe we can begin changing culture, but we had to change our culture and attitude. How do we accommodate their operating environment? Do you see this industry completely turning over where? the technology is completely running the industry or is it always going to be like, you know, you're going to have to have a good amount of like dedicated human capital in the space. Or do you think the technology is actually going to take this over and and you're going to need fewer professionals to, to really be managing this process? That's a real good question. And, uh, you know, it may mitigate the or reduce the need or the rate of growth in a human capital. I just have trouble seeing it replace it in uh, any time soon. Uh, trees are a unique beast. Uh, it does take people to uh, evaluate them. Uh, there's a lot of interaction with people. I don't see the machines doing that as effectively if we're going to really continue to build customer satisfaction, risk management. I think people are still going to be involved. 
I think with technology, Phil, we see a huge benefit of, especially with beyond visual line of sight, distribution networks and, and, and even like transmission lines that are in, in tough terrain, not having to put people at risk and being able to utilize that technology, not just to map the system, but identify points and problem areas using LIDAR and, and, and other technologies as well. Right now, we see, we see it as a tool, something that you incorporate as part of your program, not so much as a way to replace the program, because I'm not sure that's A, possible. There's also like the industry with the FAA is still going through this. You know, they're trying to figure it out. Right? Sure, yeah. Airspace is always pretty complex. So, um, But I've been very impressed with some, some of the utilities out there that have done a good job of committing to the technology and, and being pretty innovative. You know, Nextera comes to mind. I mean, they're, they're to me just like setting a standard um, in the marketplace with technology and how they think about their program. Obviously, they're, they have all kinds of risks with, you know, with the hurricanes and the storms and, you know, they've, and they've got a pretty aggressive vegetation, uh, you know, whatever you call it, landscape or <laughs> fuel to manage that kind of deal. I always find it interesting calling trees fuel. Um, I know that's a term that's used in the industry. I just can't get my, my, my head around that. But well, that's a uh, out in the fire area. Yeah. One thing that Phil, you, I heard you talk, uh, I heard you speak sort of at, uh, I can't remember if it was at an industry event or you were, you, your real focus on the environment. You know, I know you're, I know you care a lot about making sure that this is not just about you know, clipping trees and, and protecting the infrastructure, but to make sure that we're protecting our environment, which is, it's a balance, right? It's making sure that people are safe, um, yet you know, trees are an important part of our ecosystem. So from an environmental perspective, what do you care about? And, and, and how does how should the industry be thinking from an environmental perspective? Yeah, I, I'm absolutely convinced that the environment as a driver for what we do is only going to become more and more and more important. You know, we, the wildfires, you know, that's just one example. I think if you come to the East, uh, people will say their biggest risks, you know, are oftentimes around environmental issues. So it really is, you know, an important job that uh, these utilities have to uh, really find the balance. They got to provide for the safe and reliable service. Uh, but, you know, people care about the trees. So there's those aesthetic values, whatever we do to them you know, has other impacts, whether we're on rights of way, you know, we can do things that uh, hurts the environment or we can do things that builds the environment. I have a, a friend that really has changed my vision on this in the last several years. He always says, when you're looking at the right of way, don't look at it at just in terms of what you have to kill. Think about it in terms of what you can create. And, and is terms of uh, the wildlife habitat, the environmental benefits that we could drive, we can do it without greatly increasing our costs. Um, I believe the other stakeholders are going to appreciate it, uh, and they're going to demand it if we don't give it to them. So I see no end into our need to pay more and more attention to the environment. When you were kind of leading the UA, I know you grew the footprint very materially during your time there. What were some of the challenges? What were some of the things that you you got done, right? Some of the goals that you accomplished, and what were some of the things that fell flat that you wished that you had solved, but the industry is just not there yet? Yeah, of course, re worker retention, recruitment, uh, training—those are you know a big things that uh, 
I think we made great progress, uh, particularly on the management, field management side. We uh, helped with Butte College uh, using some funding from Pacific Gas and Electric and the other utilities out there pitched in. A lot of contractors, consultants, everybody came together and helped build that tree worker training program. It's a pre-apprentice program. I think that is one that will change the industry. Um, we worked with the group out of, uh, again, Alberta. Uh, Neil Thiessen sort of led the way in the development of the uh, the program offered by uh, University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. Uh, I think that was a true success of ours. We actually got more engaged in the writing of the uh, best management practices, more involved in the ANSI standard committees to make sure that uh, those were the highest that we developed or the highest standards for the industry. I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting, but a lot of changes, and I think they've been all for the good. You're uh, you planning to stay connected with them as well? Yeah, I have some real interests. Uh, you know, when I was with the UAA here on conference calls, I think we had 14 working committees meeting at least once a month, roughly. Um, some of them more than that. It, once I got off all those conference calls, I sort of liked that. So, <laughs> but you know, I have some, I love that group. They're a good group, great staff. Um, safety committee has been doing some really wonderful things. They have a rich stewardship on rights away committee. It's sort of, I have interest in all of them and I don't know where to get plugged back in. Uh, yet I've sort of taken a month or two off. I do support them and we'll get more involved. You're like my street cred. You know, you're my, you're my vegetation management almanac. Well, but I do think it's healthy that you come from, you know, they all have things in common and that they had the 40 years of experience in utility vegetation management. So that's why I think a fresh look offers some, uh, you know, unique avenues for us. That's why we wanted to do this, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert in the content. Um, but I wanted to engage the industry in a little bit of a different way. I wanted both of us to do it, right? Like I wanted you to sort of be able to talk to the different stakeholders in, in our, in our industry. Cause like, look, as a, as a business person and as somebody that is, is, you know, part of growing a, a, a company, a business, introducing culture, you know, I'm always interested in how not only are we going to solve problems, but how we can build sustainable solutions, right? Like I love our sort of diverse thought. You know, I'm, I'm excited about where we're headed. I'm also excited to engage folks. Like, you know, I like talking to people at the utilities, other executives, other people who are running kind of peer-like companies and how they're thinking about it, other technology services, you know. Well, Tej, I don't know about your uh, previous industries you worked in, but I'll tell you, 40 years working with uh, veg managers, it's a good group. It is really a good group in our industry. Uh, they're passionate. They care. They're smart. Uh, you know, I think you will enjoy uh, getting to know them and working with them. You know, we've talked about it for a long time. It's nice to do it. And say, okay, what are we doing here? And uh, how could this work for us? I, I really think uh, endless opportunities. We have the opportunity, Phil, to have an impact on some of the biggest issues that are facing our community, our society today, from the environment uh, to energy reliability right to employment creating employment opportunities like you know just the fact that we could help develop an entire industry and in how we interface with young people uh leadership 
especially with with content that is so this is not just high risk work it's it's important work i'm i'm excited about this journey and i'm excited to also document this journey with with people so they can listen in and say okay wow that guy Tej doesn't know anything about a tree phil's a god he's a tree god so yeah you know like i have to change my uh, business card put that on there you know we have a uh, so many great uh, industry folks that entered the same time i did and are leaving the same time i've been leaving you know just Imagine if we can capture some of their input, you know, where they see the future and what they want to leave behind. And we have so many emerging leaders. It'd be fun to talk to them. And where do they see it and how are they going to meet the challenges? This is going to be fun. We got over that, you know, that, that anxiety of, of, you know, looking at each other on camera. <laughs> but I think this is going to be awesome. I'm super happy that, you know, we're doing it. And uh, I think there's going to be more fun days to come. And I can't wait to to kind of build on this this first uh, this first podcast. So. Very good. Well, thanks for taking me along with you, Tej. This is going to be good. All right, sir. We'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Very good. That's it for this episode of Trees and Lines, brought to you by Iapetus Holdings. If you like the show, please give us a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of our episodes or ideas for topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. We'll chat with you soon.